Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Mandatory Redistribution Party. It has been made clear to me that I probably ought to be doing all the notifications and admin bits here at the beginning to form an obstacle to the content. So here's another reminder that we currently have a Patreon. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed so far. Uh, We will be rolling out some extra content soon. To everyone else, the link will be in the episode description, upon which you may click uponst. Today's episode is about anxiety, or more broadly, about how it's the very people you'd expect to benefit the most from participating in the emancipatory struggle of left-wing collectivism, that are also those that, due to being fucked up by capitalism, may have some of the most barriers towards getting involved. That's the topic. That's what we're talking about. Sup it up. Open wide. Here it comes. How am I supposed to overthrow the government when, as I am, I am too socially anxious to take my reserved seat on the train. MMA. Mixed martial arts? Mm-hmm. Not, um, Let's go to mixed martial arts training. What's the drug that sounds like that? MDMA. MDMA. I think a Very mixture of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want to be doing jujitsu if you're just like buzzed? We're hugging mm, them. You might need some kind of dance fighting. Yeah. So that you can like get a bop on uh, and stop bopping your enemies. But I don't think actually taking up martial arts would make me more confident. I know people who who are underconfident and have taken up martial arts. It didn't help. If anything, it made them more insecure. Uh, fishing. Fishing. Yeah. Teach oh. those fish a fucking lesson. Uh, and what are these supposed to things supposed to do? I'm supposed to. You, are you saying this will improve my confidence or just give me uh, experience of dominating another living being? Yeah, you dominate another living being, and then you'll be on the train. You'll be like someone being reserved seat. And you'll look at them and you'll think, oh, no, they're, oh, I, can't, I don't want to talk to them. And then suddenly they'll flash and they'll just be a huge wet trout in your mind's eye. Uh-huh. And you'll go, they're just a trout. They're just a trout. Yeah. And you go, excuse me, I've I mean, reserved this chair. Excuse me, I've reserved this chair. And then they'll say something. And all you'll, you'll hear is trout language like, whoa, 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 whoa. And you'll go, I don't care. Move. And then you'll be powerful. As long as I visualize everyone as a trout. You want your fishing or, you know, whatever you want to do. The one thing that doesn't ring, ring true in this scenario for me is that one, my... One, one thing. Yeah. <laughs> is that my only way of dealing with trouts is that I leave out a lure and then pull on a rope. Yeah. So surely I'd be employing my time-tested strategy of putting a worm on a piece of string and then dangle it from the overhead luggage in front of their face <laughs> in the hopes that they bite it. I could hook their cheek. Could work, mate. In, in, a way short that, in a way that I quite enjoy. It's like, it feels less direct. It's yeah. not like having a conversation. Yeah, there's layers it's more in like sending an instant message, yeah. which I can do. Would you, if you could instant message that person, just just said, excuse me, you're in my reserved seat, would you do that? If, if there was a way oh, where you could, you could cite someone and then you were able then through your phone to message them, 
you activated site lock. Or let's say um, I've seen some planes do this where you can instant message to the people on the planes. Oh, yeah. Everyone's got like a little computer screen in front of their chair. And you can just send messages. It's very bizarre. What? But imagine trains had that. When it just says the chair, it says like 32A or whatever. Yeah, because everyone's chair has a unique number, so you can message people. Wow. Most people don't use it, apparently. But I've seen some people on Twitter using it to prank. <laughs> um, so I could just send them, but they'll yeah. see what chair I was from. And so they'll know who sent it. So I'm not completely oh, anonymous. No, yeah, like yeah, yeah, there's a risk. It goes yeah. both ways. I have a long history of just being a bit weird and anxious. Yeah. Like, I will get anxious ringing the takeaway. In case I've got to like repeat my order a few times, or I don't understand what they've said in response, and then I'm like, I just need to hang up. <laughs> yeah, it. they say they say something you don't understand, and then you just say, yeah, yeah, you just go along with it, and then go and pick up your thing, and whatever it is now. Yeah, yeah, it's wrong. Oh, th- this is. I'm sure this is six pounds more expensive than uh, what mm. I thought it was going to. Better just pay that. I'll just pay that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm at a restaurant. Here's um, definitely the food I did not order, and it's completely wrong. Mm. But this this waitress seems very stressed, so I'll just uh, yeah I'll just eat it. How was it? Oh, I was uh, I'm, I'm having an allergic reaction to it, and I'm bleeding from my eyes. Oh, but for it's, me, it's, it's not like the waitress is stressed, and she must have a stressful job here. Mm. Therefore, I'll cut her some slack. Yeah. It is just I cannot assert that this is like even if the person was evil and was the manager themselves, mm. I could not assert. Oh, this is wrong. Could you? Oh yeah, both. It? Yeah, even if it's someone evil. No, I'm just adding another. I'm adding in. You've got a better handle on it because you're going, this is this is anxiety. Yeah. yeah. What my brain does is instead of going, this is anxiety, it goes, here's the logical reasons that you're not doing this. Because oh, no. actually, you're right. <laughs> you're more ill than me because you haven't realized. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I do. But like, I, I would make those rationalizations. I would do I would do the rationalizations first before going, oh, no, this is just, yeah. this is the brain. Um, in the shop, uh, sometimes I need people to like, move out of the way because mm. shops aisles are getting increasingly narrow yeah but i say excuse me so quietly they can only just about register <laughs> i say it so quietly and i'm really embarrassed i'm just just say excuse me but i the moment before i lower the volume to a quarter I just go, excuse me please <laughs> <laughs> you're basically saying it to yourself because like i've said excuse me i've yeah. said excuse me oh and do you know what like i used to for a while say like i'll just wait and then they'll move. So I've, I've had so many problems with the excuse me catastrophe. And then I wait and then I'm like, this is rude as still. So I'm making it clear that I want to get past. So now I've got to pretend I'm looking at this soy sauce. Yeah, that's a classic move. Yeah. That's a classic move. You've got to look yeah. at the thing that's a meter down the aisle. And just mean, maybe pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Less salt. Yeah. But if I'm ba- like that, basket for if, a bit. if I can't say excuse me to a stranger, I can't claim my train, I can't always ring the takeaway. How am I supposed to like mass organize and create like a plausible alternative to neoliberalism? Because you don't do it, we do it. Yeah, but we're all we're all really we're all really anxious and won't even like ring each other. We're already fucked. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, phone calls are bad. Yeah. I don't pick up the phone. Sometimes it's been really important. Yeah. That is a problem. <laughs> I've like missed packages because I don't want to open the door. You just got to sort out the revolution in the DMs, mate. It could be like a big WhatsApp. I mean, good thing WhatsApp's encrypted, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they tell you it is. We need to have like really, what we need is indirect action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do think that like um, if you're doing like some like anti-war effort and you were trying to sabotage like the supply chain of weapons. Yeah. You gotta be, or or uh, going sabbing for a fox hunt 
Yeah, and I think about that a lot. We've got a massive SAB movement near where I live. I have it as almost a bucket list thing. At least go and try. I mean, I probably shouldn't go and do it as a tourist, but like, mm. I feel like it's something I want to have participated in. Mm. But I just get really scared, and I get scared if someone like confronts me. I'll just like you know someone on a horse. I go, I'm so sorry. I'll actually kill the fox now. I'll break the fox next. In, yeah, in can you give it to like, me. Yeah, here you are. Yeah, yeah. I've killed the fox. Yeah, I don't know if that's what you wanted. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 I'm like you. I've killed it. I'm, we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I think someone being high up on a horse does increase anxiety, mm. and they're and they're um, disrupting a weapon supply chain and going to sabotage a fox hunt are two specific examples where you would almost definitely yeah. come into contact with and you know what i've always had in my head that like if one time there was this really unambiguous case yeah where i needed to get involved like i just saw like it's like a movie thing or or, or a young adult fiction thing in particular where something unequivocally bad was happening and my human intervention would stop it happening it's like really important in my mind's eye of how my own perception of myself that mm. i would get involved and i would sort it out but in reality, what mm. you have are just these really ambiguous situations where someone's shouting, but you don't really know who was at fault or what's going on. Mm. You're like, do I get involved here? What What is this? Who's bad here? Yeah. And the worst stuff, that the, the big stuff that's happening isn't people bickering in the street. Yeah. We don't need Batman solving some kind of argument. Mm. We need Batman going into the office and killing all the CEOs with a batarang. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, including the the, the back barong once it goes around has to go into go his into head that's why head. it's a boomerang yeah, yeah. Um, and he has to say so people know it's heroism i voluntarily am not catching this <laughs> <laughs> well, oh it was good in the end <laughs> but do you know what i mean like mm. I, I still despite knowing that i'm really anxious and i don't get involved and i don't even contact my own friends sometimes mm. as a result I still think it's really important that I would intervene if it was some sort of moral impending danger. What would that be? Describe that scenario. I guess like a purse snatching or something. Or someone drowning in a canal. I'd, I'd, I'd probably rescue someone drowning in a canal. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel like I have to confront a human being. I'm just confronting water. What about sewage? Uh, if they're going to die, yeah. I, I, if, mm. and, and it looks like I'm not going to get sunk into it. I'm not just killing two people. If I could save a life. It's more about like, would I uh, fight a bully who was attacking someone? And therefore, I've got to confront another human being. Oh God! Or like disrupt a mugging. Would I do that? Depends on the person. Like depends on like what the mugger looks like. If they could just take me effortlessly, <laughs> in addition to what they're doing. Fuck. I don't know. Do you know? Do you not want that mm. in your in your um self? But the perception of yourself. Like imagine you had that in your memory. Something bad happened, and I didn't flinch. Mm -hmm. I put myself in harm's way for another. I will never doubt my resolve. Mm. When it comes to it, I'm there. And then you don't need to doubt that element of your own personality. You just know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So you've not had that specific test. My my metal hasn't been tested. And whenever... Because I, I think that the, the kind of scenarios that you see in fiction just don't exist because actually there aren't any unambiguous bad things happening that you could just run over as a slightly anxious guy and just sort out. <laughs> yeah. They obviously don't exist. Oh, shit. But maybe I think the solution to leftism is that we engineer them as a kind of Truman Show thing to help a shot in the arm for all our comrades mm. who all are realising that, oh, me and all the rest of this momentum chapter have all, like, stopped the same burglar <laughs> 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 who was really easy to apprehend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like uh, interactive theatre pieces. Yeah. That you don't know about but just yeah. happen 
people would love that as well. You don't even need to champion it as a leftist cause. There's so much superhero media right now. Mm. You could just be like, we're creating a bit of interactive theatre to make someone feel like a hero. And then you allow them to stop a robbery. Uh, do you know what's a really horrible version of this? Where like... Uh some YouTuber will give like a homeless person yeah. money and then like film to see what they do. And then the homeless person goes and buys food for their other homeless mates mm. or whatever. And they're like, Oh, we gave you. And then they reveal like, we gave you money. And then it turned out you're really good. Wow. Yeah. And then it's shared as like heartwarming or whatever. Cause it's all predicated you know, like, on the assumption that they would like do something weird with it. What? Like eat it or throw it away or yeah. buy a gun or something. <laughs> what do you think they're going to do? And it's yeah. So we'd have to avoid fall into that well, well I've already social thought- experiments where there's like a fake you know someone passed out on the ground yeah. and then it's like look everyone walks past them because they've all got anxiety mm. I think actually the worst outcome is that some people won't pass that test right they'll see the robbery mm. I would hate to find out how many people would do that wasn't see a robbery and not do anything or like see like a clearly preventable crime and just be like I'm not getting involved do you even reckon you could get if it's like a purse snatching but it was like a guy who looked like he could n- knock you out it would depend I don't know. If it's like someone who's really fast and really scary, like I I don't know, because once you've started running, it's intent and you're in it, right? You can't mm. be like, I'll start to run. Mm. I don't think I'm going to do it. I'm going to start to walk again. You can't like... Yeah, do that thing where yeah. you're like, I check your phone, change yeah. direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you'd know instantly whether or not you're getting involved. I don't. I think your reptile brain just tells you whether you are and then later on you'll rationalise it um, of like, I just thought about it. I knew it was the right thing to do. No, you just you just will go or you won't go. Yeah, but those exact situations you're talking about are reptile brain situations. Mm. Whereas, like, dismantling capitalism isn't a reptile brain situation. Yeah, you have to, like, become aware of these things and then take action. I'm just talking about a way to shot in the arm people's personal confidence and their mm. ability to confront. We don't advocate for ourselves because we can't assert ourselves and we can't be confrontational. I really struggle to advocate for myself and to assert my needs in many kinds of complicated social environments. Mm. So how would I be able to do that in a complicated social environment? That's the struggle. And I think by starting it off in this very unitary, simple, most basic example of someone being able to prevent an injustice in their immediate environment through their direct action, Mm. they'll like, they'll be programmed to know if I get involved, good outcomes will happen. So at the moment people think bad things are immutable. I can't do anything about it. But letting them see yeah it's 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 hard to imagine changing things successfully mm-hmm. but what i'm worried about is that a lot of people will, will create this bit of immersive theater where everyone's an actor and a lot of people will still walk past it no matter how no matter how like how how easy <laughs> would it have to be to like let's say we're doing a robbery how mm. simple would it have to be would have to make like the robber incredibly weak looking yeah like a golem figure yeah, and then the the victim, obviously weaker still, and a child. Yeah. A child had a fifty pound note, and then like a very ill adult has stolen it and is then shambling away. Not a fifty pound note, a puppy. Yeah, that's good. And they're just taking it very slowly, and they think no one's noticed, but mm. you've noticed. Although actually, no, it has to be quick because you wouldn't clock it. Yeah. Because if they did it slowly, you'd be like, that's probably their puppy. They're friends and it's just been handed over. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like the timeshare. It has to be a snatch. Yeah. Also, I don't think they should be like, uh, I was imagining them like deathly, deathly skinny, like they might be ill. Because then you'll go, oh, maybe they need the puppy because they've got a very hard life. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they're like, this is like a make a wish thing. So we need to make the, uh, 
we need to make the robber look like they've got it made, mm. but unnecessary, but also are very defeatable. So Gollum <laughs> in a very, very expensive Ted Baker suit. No, because Gollum looks incredibly ill. Gollum looks like Gollum's not like- in a Ted Baker suit. I don't think a Ted Baker suit would disguise the fact that in our reality, Colin looks like he should be in a hospice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not about to tackle someone who looks like Gollum because they might die. (laughs) We need someone who looks healthy. We need someone who looks like if you were to harm them, they don't immediately become the victim. Kermit the frog. Yeah, sure. Kermit's hateable. (laughs) So Kermit's stolen a puppy. And then all I've got to do is tackle Kermit. Yeah, just grab his leg. Yeah. Grab one of his narrow green legs. And then legs. I'll gain some self-confidence. Mm. A frog got bones. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah, frogs have got bones. That's Kermit got bones. Kermit does not have bones, but that's for a different reason. Okay. Kermit's made of like felt oh, and right. someone's arm. Actually, yeah, there are, there's the, all the bones of an adult male arm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which he's using as a spine. Just thinking about how brittle Kermit is. <laughs> well, it depends what depends what direction you bend the arm in. <laughs> <laughs> so we genetically modify a frog or some felt or Kermit. Yes, to be evil. Make a builder Kermit. <laughs> Not to be evil. He's good. He's just an actor. Yeah, sorry. He's in on the plan. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't need to be evil. I mean, if you really want to make it authentic, yeah. Because then, if he's truly evil, and then. The, well, then Kermit really is the victim mix. He has no choice but to steal. And we've actually done something really good. If this. they really want to stop a crime, they need to stop us from modifying Kermit. <laughs> and once again, to be it's an not going to be absolute kleptomania. And they're not going to lizard brain that because they don't know about our lab. Yeah, slowly, I mean that's comp- no one you know, would intuitively jump to that. Of R and D, Kermit doesn't normally steal. Yeah. Maybe someone's done some biological tampering. Yeah, with they'd it. need to be seeing stuff like people doing big orders of uh, frogs and felt. Yeah. Uh, Maybe there should and, be a clue inside yeah. Kermit. Loads of Blu-rays of Jurassic Park. Yeah. The, well, the Dura- Jurassic Park director's cut where all the dinosaurs steal. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's walking past and a velociraptor takes their keys out of their back pocket. <laughs> Gets in the car. Good film. <laughs> <laughs> but back to my original point is that I think that social anxiety makes it really hard for us to do the traditional forms of direct action and mass organizing because we're all do you know like the young london like lgbt movement that helped mm. out the miners strikes mm. i really think that like modern young london gays would just be too scared to go in the social club because i am and they don't even hate my very existence <laughs> <laughs> yeah shit but they were i think they were, they were scared yeah of course they were scared but they still did they it overcame just, it yeah well that's the thing what you're getting at there is part of it is like electoralism is like this big thing of like we need to get we need to change the government and that's the criteria has government changed yes or no no you have failed uh-huh. you know return to the start okay right? trade unions or like direct action movements can get victories mm-hmm. there and then that you can see we have stopped you know this bomb going to wherever yeah right we can see we've done that we've shut down this fracking yeah yeah so direct action and just collective action it doesn't have to be like some like combative thing it can be like oh we've set up a uniform swap shop so kids you know once kids have gone into year they've have grown a bit mm-hmm. then the uniform can be swapped with other kids and we've created that and we can see that that's helping people in our local area mm-hmm. like being a part of things like that is going like oh look 
I've done a thing, we've done a thing. Mm -hmm. And that's possible with, I mean, I'm pretty confident that a social movement can be built by people who've got crippling social anxiety because I've fucking met loads of them. <laughs> it's true. And a lot of people who are amazing at speaking in front of like 300 people, mm. but just will pretend to look at the Liam Perrins just so as not to inconvenience an old lady in the aisle, right? So collective action, comfort, but interpersonal confidence isn't a necessity for a successful collective action. But, but, but I think confidence could perhaps be built uh, as much as I do want to build Kermit mm -hmm. local successful direct action and small victories on tangible issues that you can feel good about would help you build momentum yeah i completely agree i just think it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation yeah yeah like once you've got the victories you've got the ball rolling but it's hard to because the thing about direct action is it's always going to be someone that you're disrupting that's mm. going to go what the fuck are you doing and you don't want to have to go, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, you down, have to guys. piss people off. Everything, anything. Yeah. Like when people moan about strikes being convenient, I was like, yeah, that's the point. You withdraw yeah. your labor to demonstrate its necessity, right? But anything, any nonviolent action or violent action in, is designed to inconvenience people. You're, you do a boycott to inconvenience businesses. Mm -hmm. You do a march to inconvenience transport networks. Mm -hmm. That's the point. And I think if you were doing that as an individual, like if you just wandered onto the like M62, sure, that wouldn't really the be traffic, a strike. Yeah. You'd be yeah, and you'd be feeling real bad probably because everyone's beeping. And yeah. be like, Sean, so get out of the bloody it's way! It's just in the long term. I think this will be good, <laughs> right? <laughs> no one can hear the entire sentence because of the speed they're travelling. But that anxiety, <laughs> that anxiety, quickly evaporates if you're among hundreds of thousands of people, or even just. 12 people yeah i suppose the nature of collective action shores up the worry that you're doing a weird thing on your own that's why, you or, got, that's why it's got to be collective because you if you're anx you're anxious if you do a thing on your own because the consequences will come down on you as an individual like trade unions exist because people if everyone with if, if you individually withdraw your labor you're fucked but if everyone withdraws their labor what they're going to do sack everyone they can't that's the point hmm. like people are stronger together so yeah we shouldn't go around like faking robberies in front of people in the hope that they <laughs> interfere but i think there ought to be an acknowledgement and once there's an acknowledgement i think those barriers can be easily broken down mm. and in the meantime hopefully we can get indirect action through sort of fishing rods and whatsapp groups <laughs> <laughs> spamming your landlord <laughs> emojis <laughs> <laughs> fix the oven aubergine aubergine <laughs> fix the oven sort out the damp but from 78 different numbers that the landlord doesn't yeah. have actually this is our sounding like a good idea this is really yeah. good sign your landlord up to as many furry forums as possible landlord spamming yeah spam your landlord spam lord <laughs> in this convo me and jack are representing two contrasting parts of the same issue i'm saying that collective action is a source of anxiety and Jack, that collective action is the solution to anxiety. And both of these things are true as part of a dialectic. dialectic. And if you don't know what a dialectic is, it's just a Hegelian remix of the chicken and egg problem. What's bigger, a chicken or an egg? <laughs> Firstly, let me offer some clarification on what I mean when I'm talking about anxiety. Because the word anxiety, especially these days, only really refers to a very narrow medicalization of a certain set of traits from nervousness, panic, and non-specific social reluctance or fear. 
Anxiety is caused by chemicals in the brain, specifically neurotransmitters, specifically serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, and gamma-aminobutyric acid. Imbalances in these neurotransmitters are linked to all manner of depression, anxiety, and panic-related disorders. However, just because they're caused by chemicals in your brain doesn't mean they can't be caused by things that live outside of your brain. If I see a happy dancing worm and I just can't help myself, I start to clap and cheer and dance along and shout woo-hoo, my happy feelings are going to be reflected in my brain chemistry, but they were caused by the world. Moreover, if a million dancing worms suddenly surge out of the ground and begin to dance all over my body, I'll get PTSD and my environment will have altered my brain chemistry in the long term. And it can be true at once that your brain chems relate to who you are as an individual, but they also relate and are caused by the environment you happen to live in. Capitalism can cause anxiety, but that doesn't mean that in some future utopia suddenly everyone's going to be outgoing, confident and sociable. Neurodiversity is good, and I'm defo not pushing for socialism as a slow eugenics of us awkward shamblers. What I do object to is when social and environmental factors force people into isolation and despair as a form of social control. Whether intentionally or otherwise, when you're sad, isolated, alienated, anxious, citizens are going to struggle to collectivise and agitate for change than outgoing, confident, happy to go put a jacket on and go down to the nearest march style citizens. And possibly anxiety is not the best term to use now because that's a doctor's word and I mean something much broader. You might not identify as someone who has anxiety but you nevertheless might not value yourself as much as you should you nevertheless might feel like you're an imposter in your workplace. You nevertheless might not have the confidence that you deserve. There's a world that lies between not wanting to make eye contact with anyone else in case they talk to you and the megalomania of the businessman shouting at the server at Pret-a-Manger. And that world is just called confidence. And we all deserve it. You deserve it. Medicalization of feeling uneasy and undervalued and undeserving. It's not always that helpful to our cause because this isn't just some random unpredictable misalignment of neurotransmitters it's written on the walls of every office and scribbled on the toilets of every universal credit job center in the country you deserve to feel confident happy and capable of relaxation there is a growing acknowledgement that there is a huge untreated mental health crisis in this country and it's exacerbated by the huge amount of progress that was made in treating and destigmatizing mental health that's suddenly been knocked out of whack by austerity. The reactionary conservative point of view is that all these new mental health issues and terminologies have just sprung out of nowhere. We didn't have depression in my day. We just keep our chin up, keep a spring in our step, and then we'd simply die in the war. There's a popular story from history that illustrates the concept of survivorship bias. The tale of Abraham Wald's missing bullets. During World War II, there was a research project conducted on RAF planes, returning from dogfights and bombing raids over Germany. They wanted to better armour the planes against enemy fire, but in order to not add too much weight to the frame, they were going to examine the distribution of bullet holes in returning craft to determine where the armour was needed the most. The areas where the bullet holes tended to be the most congregated, this is the place where they'd add the armour. And it fell to Hungarian mathematician Abraham Wald point out that this method was bananas. Those were his words. He said, this method is bananas. They were basing their entire sample on the planes that were able to return home. So instead of looking at where the bullet holes were numerous, look at where there's no bullet holes at all. Those are the areas where a plane cannot afford to be hit 
because the planes that were hit there, they never made it back home. That's survivorship bias. You only know the stories of those who survived to tell them. Mental health problems have not simply been invented, we're just finally being able to hear about them because the conditions that people live in mean that they are able to speak about them, they're able to survive long enough to communicate them. Some of the issues that people live with, we're only finally acknowledging them, treating them, recognising them for the first time. I mean, there's a long way to go and our methods and understanding and treatments could be a lot better and medicine struggles with trying to acknowledge that unlike a broken leg, mental health problems often have an underlying social cause that needs to be acknowledged or treated. It's like if someone's job is having their leg broken, they go to the leg being broken factory on a daily basis and you as their doctor just have to keep fixing their leg and acting like it's a problem they were born with. So we were in the middle of this revolution in mental health with more and more people examining and considering their mental health than ever before. And then suddenly, all the services that relate to that, all the rollout of a mental health provision, which are already not great, are now all slashed to breaking point, including crisis teams for people on suicide watch. A country full of people realizing they have conditions that suddenly can't do anything with many of those conditions caused or exacerbated by the same austerity program that is now denying them help. So yeah, mental health problems do exist generally. You can be predisposed to them. But capitalism is not only incompatible with neurodiversity, but also causes and exacerbates many of the conditions it then punishes you for. The traditional early to mid-1900s household, where the husband earns the crust and the wife endlessly wipes down the kitchen counter, sighing wistfully out of the kitchen window, has long gone. There's a growing trad wife trend in the reactionary culture war sphere, but I mean, good luck to all the alt-right millennials trying to settle down and raise a family on the single income of three-hour YouTube rants. While the gender roles of the housewife and the factory husband were bad and retrograde and should never come back, it does mean that for everyone of my generation, we all have to do the work that traditionally was the job of two people. We each have to maintain a career, a work life, but we also maintain our family and household. That's actually a lot of work. Whereas every quote-unquote great person from even the recent past was usually a white man propped up by the unacknowledged efforts of an indentured sex maid. He means a wife. When he said that, he was talking about a wife. With wages depressed and workers' rights shredded, the nuclear families had to reorient itself and reinvent itself. But with in-work poverty increasing, some of the roles that were previously that of the parents are now falling to the hands of the education system and youth services. Then, as non-voters, young people were one of the groups hit hardest by austerity, with some councils slashing youth services by 91%. So that's the youth clubs gone, that's after-school activities gone. And with the squeeze put in the education system, the staff at every state school are overworked to the point where teacher training works hand-in-hand -hand with counselling services more than ever, just to try and retain the staff. According to a report from the Children's Society in 2018, a quarter of girls aged 14 have self-harmed, and in the same year, the head of the National Education Union, Louise Reagan, attributed this to the huge focus on attainment at the expense of overall concern for the child. Parents that are overworked, forcing them to rely on state institutions, which have become too squeezed and too target-driven to safeguard children. Most of the youth services have been shut down and the means to send your child to counselling to get diagnosed or treated with a mental health disorder is continually being dismantled by the state. It is a perfect recipe for a national mental health crisis. So while neurodiversity is good and people will always have different brains, your brain chemistry is also altered by your environment and the conditions that you're placed in under capitalism. 
You want to go hot and heavy on suicide statistics? Do you? Okay, let's try this one for size. The most recent set of suicide stats were compiled in 2018 by ONS and Samaritans. A long view shows that suicides declined sharply towards the end of the 20th century. But then suddenly, around 2018, they just start holding steady. They actually start to go back up again, sharply. Between 2017 and 2018, overall suicides rose by 11%. Suicides in under 25 jumped up by a quarter. That's in one year. And as ever, there's only one solution. It's socialism. There is no point treating the symptoms if we're not treating the cause. We need socialism in order to live happy, productive lives, not whimpering under the boot of the monopoly man. But because we don't live happy, productive lives, it's hard to bolster the mass movement necessary to create that. And the more we don't lead happy, productive lives, the harder and harder it gets until the earth becomes uninhabitable. Yes, collective action is a source of anxiety, you cannot disrupt the powerful before some gonk scurries out of a grey building tells you to fuck off. You can't participate in direct democracy without having to advocate for the people you represent. Democracy works best when people speak up. Collectivism isn't the cause of your anxiety. That's austerity, capitalism, neoliberalism. The Monopoly Bootman has trod on my family. Once you internalise the ideas of the left, it helps the world seem less alien. Because suddenly, all the reasons for your foggy capitalism brain becomes clear. You haven't got a weird head giddily sloshing your chems around. You're ill because the water is poisoned. And crucially, it's not your fault. You're good. You're valuable. And you deserve every happiness. So let's start getting stuck in. And let's try and make that a reality. Do you know what, though? I want to give an, a, a positive side of this. Mm -hmm. Anxiety makes you too self-aware, right? Okay. And actually, a lot of people with anxiety are very, like, socially aware and interpersonally aware. I think yes and no. Okay. I think it it, uh, it can make you too aware of your own bullshit and then, like, not, you're kind of narcissistic sometimes. Like, as in being aware that you fucked up and thinking of all the ways, you, even if you haven't, you're going, yeah. like, here's all the ways I could have accidentally just insulted that person. Yeah. And like, and you assume yourself. they're going to be thinking about it to the degree you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, they probably don't even fucking care. But you're, and then you're like going full self-loathing and being like, oh God, I'm a piece of shit. And as much as that's not coming across as like arrogance or bravado or like being inflicted on other people, uh -huh. self-hatred and like going, oh, fuck, is, is, in, is, 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 is a expression of narcissism as well. But I, I take your point of like, you know, when I was younger, I had this idea brought to me because, like, I've always just been a bit sort of socially awkward. Mm. And someone explained this idea that if you think someone across the road is paying attention to, like, how you've dressed or how you're walking or what you're saying, to the degree that you're agonising about it, isn't that quite, like, self-absorbed? Isn't that quite narcissistic? And actually, for quite a while, that helped. Mm. And now that I'm, like, 30, I very regularly, <laughs> while out and about, I look at someone who's doing something a bit odd or saying something that's a bit weird. I think about it quite a lot. And, <laughs> and I write it down in my Twitter drafts and then I look at it later and I think about it more. And it's brought all my anxiety back because I'm the exact person that exists in the world that my teenage self feared existed in the world. <laughs> yeah, and you go, oh no. That was a that was the lie. You see yeah. the lie. If I'd seen myself doing that, I'd have thought about it for a long time. <laughs> That's the thing I got as well of, of people going like, "Oh, do you think you know? Do you think they care about that?" The mountain of evidence I had was the sheer amount of violent and or just psychological bullying for people deviating slightly from the norm in mm -hmm. school. 
Yeah. There was this creepy tech teacher, this woodwork teacher, right? Mm -hmm. And he'd go, he'd go creepily, come and sit on daddy Jenna's knee. Oh. And then he'd instruct them as I started, creepy as fuck, creepy as fuck. While daddy Jenna's like involved in that. Yeah. This other lad took some like woodwork car thing I'd made mm -hmm. and just sawed it in half. Yeah. Right. And I was, you know, you know, there's no, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to grapple it off him anyway, but I certainly wasn't going to attempt to grapple it off him near a saw. Yes. And anyway, some, somehow that escalated. I think I got into like a shit child fight, like a high school fight with yeah. him. And then I thought I was, you know, and then we got like briefly bollocked about that. And then a couple of days later, his brother, who was like three years older than me, just uh, like flying punched me in the back of the head uh -huh. in the corridor. Yeah. Right? And that I think is like not an unusual teenage boy set of events, right? No, but I've heard people say like, say you see like violent bullying in a film or something. People are like, oh yeah, it's really exciting. It's not real. It's like, yeah, it is. Yeah, of course. Yeah, have you is. not, did that not happen to you? What yeah. the fuck's wrong? And like so many people, I mean, you're responding to me as in like, oh yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, but Someone would throw a brick at you for absolutely no reason. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole section of people who just don't, aren't aware of that for some reason. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Like that's the thing to me where I was like, oh no, there are actually a lot of people well, who are just inexplicably horrible or people like who would make, not even from like my own individual experience, but from just like shit I saw in high school uh -huh. of just it like making people's lives a fucking living hell. Mm -hmm. And then just the instinct of going, just fucking keep your head down. Yeah. Bad news. The amount of times I'd just be walking somewhere and someone would throw like a glass bottle yeah. Or an egg out of a moving car at us. Yeah. That's like standard. Yeah. You know, chicken and egg with anxiety when that kind of behavior is yeah. going on, right? I once but, but had, it, um, I was walking home from school. I don't know why, but my mum was there. So I must have been the age where I was being picked up. And she started talking to the mum of another kid. Mm. And you know how the mums don't know the politics? Yeah, yeah, And I'm yeah. like, this is one of the most fucked up kids. <laughs> and now I'm tethered to him and you yeah. and I can't leave. And like while we were walking, she just pushed me in front of a car. Oh. Just a moving car. And the car had to like swerve out of the way. What the fuck, man? Yeah. Oh. And um, it all happened so fast that the car had righted and gone back by the time they both turned around. And I'm like, did you see? And I'm like, he pushed me front of the car. And he went, no, I didn't. He just fell off yeah, the Yeah, exactly. Then they'll just, just lie. Yeah. Like, I could be dead. I could have killed me. Um, and then that was it. We just continued walking home. And I'm like, something's wrong. So what's your conclusion to this? How does this fit in? What, with anxiety wrecked millennials? Well, you're saying that some people in the world don't feel anxiety and they're evil. Yeah. And, 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 then, and then my response well, is no, like... Well, no, they'll have... They're not evil. Their behaviour is fucking horrible. But there'll be some explanation of like their own internal bullshit. Yeah, you can have your own internal traumas and that's made you evil. I just mean if you cause like a lot of suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evil yeah, there's people. So that. yeah, okay. There's people causing suffering. And yeah, and there's, there's, there's definitely people I remember from school who, yes, looking back on it, they must have had something going on behind the scenes you, fucking that would help so, explain. Yeah. Well, imagine you didn't. Like, Isn't that the biggest fear of all? That you're like, do you remember that bully who like just couldn't stop punching people and was like just so evil all the time where if he couldn't reach you to hit you, he'd just spit on you. And you'd be like, I'm, there must have been something going on at home. But if you were to look back, no, all fine. That's the scariest. I've got a more lighthearted one for you, which I remembered. I don't know if it illustrates anything, but I remember one time. So would you ever go into different classrooms for like maths or certain subjects? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd get moved into what was the class above. It was like normally the year six classroom, but I must have been in the year five. Oh, so this is primary school. Yeah. yeah. And I remember seeing on the desk, someone had drawn to me 
what looked like half a chicken, the top <laughs> half of a chicken. I'm like, why is someone drawn like right. half a chicken? And I, absentmindedly, I was thinking, well, I won't get in trouble for this, but I'm just going to finish the chicken off. Mm. And I drew the other half of the chicken. <laughs> I drew, I thought, this is fun. This is like better than normal graffiti. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's like the thing where you fold it and you don't know what yeah. the other person's being. And also, there's a big part which is like, and also, I'm in cahoots with someone else. Like, no one can frame this chicken on me because I didn't start it's collaborative art. I'm embellishing mm. a crime. Mm-hmm. And then later that day, I got called up to year six mm. and someone's like dobbed me in for drawing this chicken. <gasps> and they say, You've got to clean this off. And I'm like, Hang on. I finished the chicken. I never drew the chicken. Yeah. And I thought, hang on, there's only the one person mm. who sits at this desk, right? We only move for maths. Yeah. You who dobbed me in, you must have started this chicken. <gasps> right? Yes, the only way. Yeah. So I'm there, like, cleaning it. But I'm, like, saying very quietly to him, because we're at the back of the room, you drew half of this chicken, didn't you? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, you drew the first half of the chicken. I finished it. Fuck. And now you've blamed the whole thing. They've spotted the chicken. And he said, oh, it must have been whoever was in here for maths. Why would I just draw a chicken? Why did you draw half a chicken? So I didn't. You're not even going to admit privately to me now. Even if you were to admit it now, I can't. You know, that's not proof. Yeah. You weren't even saying anything. I, just, I wiped it off and I'm like, I'm not going to forget about this. And then I didn't feel like confident enough to give him any grief or anything. But I'd see him every now and again. And I'm like, are you ready to admit now that you drew half of that chicken? But anyway... <laughs> After, after the end of that year, he went away. He's in year six, right? Yeah. Then when I went to secondary school, guess who I met? Oh. <laughs> He's still there. And I remember, like, I moved out of that school maybe in year nine, but I gave him a good three years of, like, come on. You drew the chicken. You drew the first half of that chicken. Mm. Like, we're not even in that school now. What repercussions are you open to? And looking back on it, he was so adamant it wasn't him for years. Yeah. And there was no reason for it. I guess sunk cost fallacies denied it. It would like, you lose a lot of face to admit it now. Yeah. But I also had him down as a liar because one time in year four, he said he had had sex, but he had his pants on throughout. But, right? That's what I was, that's what a fly's for. <laughs> true, true. But I think he was just BSing yeah, for Bravado. Yeah, yeah, While we're waiting for the, uh, for the mash. Um, <laughs> And I'm willing to accept one of two things. One, there could have been any kind of group exercise or anything that I'm not aware of, which mm. would involve them changing seats. Yeah, yeah, There are yeah, so yeah, many yeah, reasons yeah, why yeah, students yeah, might yeah, change yeah. seats. And two, could it not been a chicken? Do you know what I mean? It could have just been mm. a smudge or something. And I, you know, you see patterns. Yeah, and I'm like, you made it a chicken. That's a chicken. And I can't remember anything clearly enough to know now. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that my desk. point Do is the, the mental illness exists? epidemic. <laughs> we need to get a desk. Huh? Call in if you have seen this desk. If you were another student at this, what's the school? I don't want to give the school. Okay, yeah, you don't want to get doxxed, right? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to dox if you ever, school, if you've ever seen a school it. of children. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to dox anything, it's not going to be a primary school. <laughs> if you, if you, I, our rabid listeners may go and hunt this guy. They might be able to track down using your name in that school. God, can you imagine? They could track down this guy and start yeah. tweeting him with, you drew this, you started the chicken. Well, do you know what? Direct action and small victories. <laughs> Get your first win and then turn that energy towards something good. <laughs> Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean, with additional music by Sean Morley. As ever, 
Your support and word of mouth is much appreciated. Tell a friend, fax a colleague, whistle our RSS feed URL on the wind. Thank you, friends. <laughs>